The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Brooke Desher. We are live at Rivers Casino in Philadelphia. And Brooke, the Flyers are coming off a couple of home losses, a Mm -hmm. lopsided one over last weekend against the Ducks, 7-4, and then a really tight, tight one against the Hurricanes, 3-2, kind of a rebuilding type of loss uh, where they lose the game in the last three, four minutes tight game against a really good team. The power play was pretty problematic in that one. It's been problematic yeah, all year, right? It was bad. It yeah. was <laughs> it's really bad. The, it, the, pop, the power play goes 0 for 5 in a game that they lose 3 to 2. I mean, if, if the Flyers can just get something going on one or two of those power plays, perhaps they win that game and they get a really nice win for their rebuild. Yeah. Is the power play one of the biggest issues so far in, in your eyes? I just feel like it's been the biggest issue, well, one of the biggest issues this past decade yeah. with the Flyers. It's just special teams in general. Like We like to joke a lot about the power kill and how like the Flyers have been really great scoring shorthanded goals, but why have we not figured out collectively why the Flyers are almost at a disadvantage when they have a man advantage? It's almost... <laughs> It's 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 mind boggling at this point because it's like you have fast guys, you have quality puck handlers. In, in, like <laughs> I'm not one of those people that resonate with the fans that yell shoot during the power plays. Like I, I I get it, but if you if there's not a quality shot, they're not going to take it nine times out of ten. <laughs> But I mean, I was really sitting up there during Carolina last night and I was like, this is this is really painful to watch. And it was also, of course, it was against the Hurricanes, which is a great team. They're highly competitive. They're highly skilled. But my goodness, it's yeah. just like it's brutal year in and year out. And you, you thought maybe, OK, it was um like two games ago. They, they finally got like another power play goal. And we were like, sweet, maybe they're they're figuring it out. No. No, it's just the biggest question mark disadvantage with man advantage. (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) I really don't. I think the positive is they have a lot of youth on the power play, so that's good. You're getting some young guys in there and trying to build confidence on a power play with young guys. I think the reality is there's not a lot of track record on the power play. Other than Sean Gatorian and Cam Atkinson, I can't think of guys with long track records of scoring on power play. And uh, so I think that, that... that to me looked like a predictable growing pain all season oh, for the absolutely. team. Um, it, I mean, the team had the league worst power play over the last two seasons, and this year, a lot of youth, it's, a lot of inexperience. It's gonna be it's gonna be pretty down there. But even when this team had like top vets in the league, it was still something that struggled up until it was like the late like 2010s, where they were always like a top 10 power play PK team. It has just decreased 
every single year. And now you're just kind of like floating at the bottom of this pool. And it's just like, I, I really don't know how else to explain it. I just don't understand. I mean, yes, the, the growing pains, it's, it's clear. You knew that they weren't going to click immediately. But it is, it's really painful to watch. I wish that there was an option where they would be like, oh, right, opposing team has a penalty. Let's opt out of the man advantage. Yeah. Because at this point, it's like, <sighs> they have a better shot at five on five. <laughs> no, and the, the, the Flyers heard some boos uh, against Carolina while they were on the power play. And, um, I think that's just par for the course. I mean, if you're playing in Philadelphia and fans know that the power play has been an issue for a while now, uh, you're going to hear some boos. I wonder if John Tortorella made it a point when he said pretty passionately after the game that they have to keep things in perspective mm-hmm. where they are. And he said, I'm not going to boo the team. I'm going to try to help them. I don't know if that was a subtle, subtle little shot at a little frustration with booing the yeah. team. But this is uh, Philadelphia. That's what you're going to hear. It was it was interesting because power play being terrible aside against Carolina, I thought the Flyers played a really solid game. Likewise. So I remember the first time I heard boos the other night, and I was like, I don't think they deserve to be booed today. I really don't. Which, you know, sometimes that's not the case. I'm like, yeah, boo away. Have fun. Let them know. Mm -hmm. And the fans will time and time again. But I think that they played a really solid game against Carolina, and had they had scored one time on the power play things might have it might have been a different outcome so i would have booed against anaheim (laughs) on saturday because that game was i think we're we're coming across the point where the flyers are playing down to the average below average teams and they're playing up to their top competitors which is just a terrible trap situation i told you saturday before the game i'm like the ducks is it's a trap game yeah it is, yeah, and it did. was. And I said before Carolina, I was like, this is a game that they might squeak out a win. And it was close. Yeah. So I just, <laughs> it's a lot of coin tosses so far this season. Um, but I'm not discouraged from what we're seeing, not including the special teams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be something we keep an eye on all year. I mean, entering today, I, the power play is four for 32 and the penalty kill actually has four shorthanded goals. So <laughs> the PK has matched the power play and goal production, which is not well, ideal. Um, I mean, great for the, the penalty kill. Sh- whoopee. Yeah. PK is looking like it's a threat whenever it's out there. So that's, that's not bad, but Brooke, it, I, I do think there's going to be a section of fans that are going to be okay with moral victories and probably a section of fans that aren't, but they have three one-goal losses to Stanley Cup contenders. One to Vegas, who won the Stanley Cup last year. One to the Stars, who are going to be up there in terms of Stanley Cup contention. And one now to the Hurricanes, who were the second-best team in the regular season last year, to only the Bruins. So I think you got to look at some of those things. And I think these are good. To me, I think they're very good, positive learning moments. Uh, an example for me was the Hurricanes game. When they scored the game winner with about 3.47 left, Noah Cates has a turnover. Yeah. And it was a good reminder that Noah Cates is still young and he can learn from those moments. He said, he told me today that he watched the video. He did it on his own. He wanted to see what he did wrong. And he feels like he's going to learn every single day he's in this league. So, uh, you know, another one was Cam York in, in, uh, in Vegas where he's trying to he's trying to skate and dance around a guy in the neutral zone instead of just getting the puck out late in the game leads to a goal against, they lose. Learning moments, do you think those are positive things that you know you can build on? I will always see it as a positive when you have guys taking accountability for their mistakes. And 
I'm glad that there's that sense of awareness where I feel like, oh, you know, that they won a couple games. Like, let's get let's get a little creative. Let's get a little pass happy. Let's, you know, try and be a little flashy to show the fans because they, you know, have been on this four game homestand. And I feel like they've kind of, you know, fallen flat on doing the basics because they wanted to do something, you know, fun and flashy. So just taking accountability for, yeah, like that was on me. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to grow from it. It may not seem like a big deal to a lot of people, but when you're in a rebuild, which, you know, going to have to remind many times throughout the season, Mm -hmm. it is a rebuild. Nobody expected much out of this team coming into this year. But, you know, young guys owning up to mistakes and that they want to learn from them, I think is, you know, best case scenario right now. Now, you got to look and see if they're going to actually apply, you know, what they've learned. But that's, you know, a wait and find out. And we'll we'll go from there. Catch all the sports action and more at Rivers Casino Philadelphia. Whether it's the money line or the pest line, there's something for everyone, including a great sports book. Rivers Casino Philadelphia. Philly loves a winner. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, Brooke, a young player that maybe we forget is pretty young is Samuel Harrison, the backup goalie. He's had only two starts, and both of them have been kind of rough. The most recent one being the game against Anaheim over the weekend in Philadelphia, where he struggled. He gave up seven goals. Flyers did not help him. Do not get me wrong. The Flyers did not help him, but he was pretty accountable afterwards, saying he simply needs to be better. Do you still have faith in Harrison as being a dependable backup whenever Carter Hart you know, need some rest. Yeah, I, I don't think that this is a panic abandoned ship immediately. And clearly the Flyers don't see that either. They just um, sent down Felix uh, Sandstrom for a conditioning stint with mm-hmm. Lehigh Valley. So it, it kind of seems clear that they still want to roll with Arison, um as much as possible for whenever Hart needs rest. I think he's earned the little bit of leeway to start this year for how he played down the stretch last season. Um, yeah, I, (laughs) the game against the stars was a really, you know, the flyers were able to help him offensively. You had, they had the three shorthanded goals (laughs) that night. Um, but it, it was, it was a little rough against Anaheim. That's being nice. But again, like you said, he didn't really get any help from, anyone defensively there were a lot of sloppy turnovers neutral zone work was just not there um so i i say you give him a chance i don't think there's any reason to panic it's so early in the season and you know when you're a backup goaltender and you're not seeing you know game action you know every other night it's going to take a little bit down the stretch to kind of really get a feel for the game and We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. But it's not room to panic. There's no need to panic yet. I agree. I think he's going to be fine. I think he can be a serviceable backup. I don't think he's used to being a backup yet. I don't think he's been a backup really ever in his life. He was, you know, he played in the SHL, the Swedish, um, the, the top pro league in Sweden, uh, where he was a starter. Uh, he was a starter for the Phantoms. I don't think he's used to being a backup yet. And I do think he's dealt with rust, um, whether that's an excuse or not. See it how you want to see it. Uh, I think he's dealt with Russ. He had only two starts in October. And I just don't think he's quite used to not playing every day and mm-hmm. seeing game action. 
But I think he's willing to learn how to be a backup, and he's willing to accept the challenge of being a backup. So I think they, there's still a ton of promise with Samuel Harrison, and I, I think he's a guy that can spell Carter Hart from time to time and give you some good games. We saw it last year when he got his chance and he came up and strung together you know, consecutive wins. Uh, so I, I think there's still plenty of promise there, and I, th- I think fans just need to be a little patient with him. Um, you need patience across the board for a rebuild yeah. year. And again, I'm like I said, I'm going to say it, probably every single podcast we have this season you need to let this team figure it out yeah and that means allowing players to fail and realize what's going on and and adapt and grow and we see who sticks we see who might fit the picture growing like moving forward and then you see who may not it we're we're less than 10 games into the season i feel like everyone is just hitting the panic button and running it's too. It's too soon. It's too soon. Yeah, Calm I, down, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I hope um, people are not trashing Samuel Harrison. Uh, be patient with him. I think he's going to show you that he can he can be a goalie in this league. Uh, obviously, everyone is still learning about him. The Flyers are still learning about him. He's still learning about himself. But I do believe there's upside there uh, that he can back up Carter Hart and give the Flyers some solid minutes in net. Brooke, another big storyline for the Hurricanes' loss was Morgan Frost returning. His first game in 16 days, he was a healthy scratch for six straight. Definitely just a surprising development to this season. I'm not sure anyone really predicted 24-year-old center Morgan Frost would be an extra forward more games than not so far. How'd you feel he did in his return? And is this kind of a precarious situation right now with Frost and his future? This Morgan Frost situation blows my mind. Mm -hmm. It really does, because if we were talking about, you know, going into the start of the season and you said, yeah, Frost is going to play two games and then we're going to sit him. I'd be like, yeah, okay. (laughs) there would be there would be no doubt in my mind that you would want to play Frost. And, you know, Tortorella is kind of tossed around like this isn't a benching. We just, you know, they were used not as an excuse but they were you know they were playing decently well they didn't want to shake things up with the lines so they were like yeah we're gonna find a time to get frost back in but right now is not the time and that makes no sense to me yeah (laughs) (laughs) it makes no sense why wouldn't you want one of your young centers who proved himself all last season this the se- the second half of last season everybody wanted to watch for morgan frost mm-hmm. because he was one of the only guys who was consistent he was scoring he was proving and stepping up every single chance that he had and to go into this season and just be like nah like you're, you're gonna sit for six games and then we're gonna put you in and you're gonna play bad because you're a little rusty and I'm going to sit you again. Like, I'm afraid that that's what's going to happen. I, I Knock on wood. It better not. But I feel like no matter what Morgan Frost does, and he steps up to the plate every single time, I feel like Tortorella's just never happy with him. And it, it kind of stinks because Frost is a guy you want to root for. He gives you every reason to want to root for. And he's finally, he's found his stride with his, his game and he's still so young. Why wouldn't you want to play a young center? <laughs> Who's one of your best players last season? You yeah. can't wave him. If you wave him, he's going to get claimed. Yeah, he would. He would absolutely get claimed. He would not make it to Lehigh Valley. Yeah. So instead, you're going to sit him? 
it doesn't it doesn't make it nothing makes sense to me with this it not a single thing yeah it doesn't totally align with their vision and what they've stated in the offseason about rebuilding and playing mm-hmm. younger players and um I definitely think there's a contrast in preferred playing style between Frost and Tortorella. I think Tortorella prefers, you know, certain attributes in a player, and Frost plays a different kind of game. So I, de- I definitely, you know, think the head coach doesn't love the player. That's just a fact. And if it's not a benching, if Tortorella says it's not a benching, then that means you think Morgan Frost is your 13th best forward, and that that you, is not the case. Right. That is not the case. And if. <laughs> And if that's what they think, then then you have to seriously debate what the Flyers think of Morgan Frost and his future here in Philadelphia. And that's, you know, you have to really wonder if they feel like he's going to be a part of this moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think he should be. I think they should seriously consider him because, you know, he's a 24-year-old center with a ton of creativity offensively. Um, I don't think they should give up on him. But there's clearly um, some difference between... Yeah, there's like, there's and like and, a disconnect or yeah. some sort of divide. And it, it was honestly there last season, too. You just, you know, you would ask about Frost and the response would be like, yeah, well, he didn't do. I'm still looking for. And I'm like, no, just listen, a, a good job goes a long way, especially, you know, we, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. Like we never want to, you know, say or, um, you know bring something out of nothing but it's just it's really shocking to see how (laughs) he is treated (laughs) i just i really don't get it and i really feel for frost because it's like you do everything you can and it still doesn't feel like it's enough so it really makes you wonder if you know flyers front office and tortorella really see him like you were saying, in the long-term picture of a rebuild, or do they see him as like maybe he's a moving piece even as early as this season? I just, I don't get it. I don't get it, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, John Torello said the other day that this is the evolution of the team. He feels like they have tougher decisions at four. They have more people, more youth. And I think that's true. I think that's fair. They have two healthy players now in Sean Couture and Cam Mackinson, and they have more kids now, Bobby Brink, Tyson Forster, that they're trying to work in. But again, it does paint a picture if Frost sat for six straight that the Flyers felt like he was their 13th best forward, and that does tell you what they think possibly of him and their long-term plans. Uh, They might not be as high on him, and maybe they need to learn more about him. Maybe they think Frost needs to prove a lot more. But It's hard to prove things when you're sitting. Right. (laughs) It's really difficult. Yeah, I think Frost should be playing. I think he needs to play, and I hope they give him a longer leash. Uh, he just signed a two-year contract in the offseason, um, but we'll see where it goes. Uh, a lot, you know, it's still very early in the year, but no doubt about it, it's a surprising storyline. It's, it's, it's the uh, biggest question mark that I have so far. Right. Just what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, I think you see some other guys that are in, in the same boat as him in terms of age and where they stand, and it seems like they have much more secure footing. Like uh, Owen Tippett seems like he's very much valued as a part of the future. Mm-hmm. Noah Cates, I think, absolutely has won over the organization. They view him, and I justifiably so. I think both those players deserve to, you know, be here and should be here. Agreed. Uh, but it seems like Morgan Frost hasn't quite won over some people yet, and still has some proving to do. And whether mm. that's fair or not, I think that's very much the case. How interesting. Very interesting. Mm. Uh, but uh, plenty to watch, Brooke. I mean, <laughs> do you agree that the Flyers do have some good decisions to make? Yeah, I mean, I, I would rather be sitting here being like, okay, we have two 
good players, which one do we value more rather than, well, we got these guys. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather have difficult decisions to make any day. But for me, this whole Frost thing doesn't seem like a difficult decision. Yeah. Unless they see something that we don't. But you got to give him time to play. You got to give him a chance to justifiably earn his spot night in and night out. Just, uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know. I really wasn't expecting having these conversations about Morgan uh, yeah. Frost, you know, three weeks into the season. I just wasn't. Yeah. It, it looks like he's definitely in a battle for, you know, making sure he stays in the lineup. And perhaps this is a byproduct too of the Flyers being healthier. Sean Couturier is healthy sure. and he's under contract. Uh, Noah Cates is a center and they very much value him for the future. And you even look at Cutter Gauthier, who's one of their top prospects who they're hoping plays center in the future. I mean, those are three centers that you very much think could be here yeah. long-term. Uh, where does Morgan Frost stand? Uh, I think it's a fair question. But I think one that maybe we'll get closer to an answer to, Brooke, uh, over the course of the season. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see where it all goes. But uh, plenty to evaluate. And a, one more game on this homestand tomorrow night. It's a national broadcast on TNT. And then uh, the Flyers will be back on NBC Sports Philadelphia after that up in Buffalo. Uh, but Brooke, thank you so much. I know you've been busy. It's great to see you. Great to chat with you. Appreciate your time. Of course, Jordan coming Paul. on and talking pucks. <laughs> and we'll plenty, love the pucks. Yeah, we'll have a lot more to talk about uh, coming up. A big thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer and guru, who's saying hi. He's nice little wave over there from Ben. And a big thank you, as, as always, to Flyers fans for listening to the latest. Flyers Talk Podcast. We are live at Rivers Casino in Philadelphia. Thank you so much for listening. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and listen, and we can't wait to talk to you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.